Hi, welcome to the Dr. Dreama Show, inspiration and practical strategy for achieving your dream life. I'm your host, Dr. Dreama. I'm a psychologist and life designer. I'm here to help you design the life you want and deserve. This is Dr. Dreema, and on Design Your Dream Life, sometimes you want to bring in somebody who can tell you something about an area, who thinks about it in such a way that you've never thought about it before. And my guest today is one of those people. She's into nutrition, but she's into so much more because if you look at her website, you see these pops of color. You see her bringing together these threads that I would never have thought to bring together. And so I am so excited to talk today to Dr. Deanna Minnick. She's an author, a scientist, a speaker, a teacher, an artist, and I'm willing to bet so much more. Welcome, Deanna. Hello. Thanks for having me on your podcast. It's really a delight to be here with you. Well, I'm just so excited to talk to you because, you know, I'm always talking to people about their dream life. And when I looked at your website, I was just struck by the vibrancy. And I thought, this is somebody I really want to talk to because this is about so much more than just food. Yeah. You know, that is so true. I, I think I started out with food as my main message because that was one of my biggest teachers was how I was eating. And then I soon realized that life is not just about food and it's not just about eating, but that eating can be a doorway into personal growth. And so that's where I went with food and eating into this whole colorful landscape of really looking at personal growth and nourishment and how we live our lives. Well, there's so much to that. And it seems like these days, the research is showing us more and more that what we put in our bodies affects so much more than our energy level. Yeah, it does. Uh, absolutely. And so, you know, I, I often say that eating is physical because we take in food for energy to run our body and to function. But then it's also emotional. It's connected to how we think. It's connected to our moods. It's connected to what I would even say our sense of community and our spirituality. And I started to see that in my life as I started to diversify my interests and I started reading different books. You know, I, I grew up in a very rigid, rule-oriented household. So I grew up in the 1970s. And during that time, it was a little bit still on the counterculture aftermath, but essentially I grew up in a very Catholic household with my mom who was very much into her food and faith from the age of when I was about eight or nine. So she got really into food and it was kind of the, the leading, well, she may have thought it was the leading edge, but many people around her were thinking it was the bleeding edge because oh. it was kind of extreme. It was like, what is she doing? You know, making <laughs> these foods and watching Richard Simmons and reading books by Adele Davis. Who is this? And this is kind of quackery, isn't it? And now you look in the 21st century and it's like, well, of course, you know, to think that we would have thought anything other than food healing our bodies. I just can't believe that that was such a revolutionary concept in the 1970s. But for me and you as a psychologist may appreciate this for me, during that time as a preteen, having a mother who seemed to be a little bit whacked out with her food and faith made for me this emotional turmoil. In fact, oh. it drove me 
into emotional eating. It drove me into binging and overeating. And I'm not saying that my mom caused all of this. It was really my response. And I'm actually really grateful for everything that happened because I felt that if I didn't go through that whirlwind, that tsunami when I was young, I don't know if I'd be talking with you about this today. I don't know if I'd be talking with people about food. I don't know if I would have a colorful website. So I, I really do believe and maybe that's just my own spiritual bent that everything leads us to where exactly where we need to go. And so it was good to have a little bit of tumult. I love that. I love how you've, you've sort of reframed that, you know, coming from this turmoil and disordered eating and then finding yourself what appears to me to be having sort of a love affair with the whole idea of food and color and, and, bringing these components into our life. You nailed it. Absolutely. You know, and in fact, I think growing up with all the rigidity, the rules and restriction, I didn't mention that my father was a Chicago police officer. So Ah. only did I go to Catholic school, wore uniforms. My mom was going to church literally every day. You know, we lived across the street from a parish. So it was very easy just to walk over for six o'clock mass. So (laughs) there was so much structure in our lives and um, so much discipline. And so it was kind of this um, feeling where I needed to break out and get free. And I feel that my approach to food and eating now is very expansive. The last thing I want is somebody telling me to go on a diet. The last thing I want is to impose rules and restriction on people in such a way that they are not themselves. It's almost like, you know, this, this idea that we go on a diet only to later go off a diet anytime we go on something. And so for me, it's about relationship. For me, it's about this, this word freedom comes to mind, especially when I think of people living their dreams. And if you think about what I was dreaming about when I was seven, because I've often heard the phrase that whatever we wanted to be when we were about seven years old is really our true calling. It was all about spirituality, actually. I wanted to be a nun because most of my teachers were people I looked up to. So I wanted to be a nun who was a journalist and a writer. And and now I look at my life at 47, 40 years later, and I've arrived. You know, here I am. I've connected food into spirituality. I may not be a nun, but I'm a nun in a different sense of nourishment. <laughs> uh, you know, I talk about that we're all artists and what is spirituality, but connecting into something greater, something that has meaning and purpose in our lives. And that's really what I try to cultivate with my business, which is called food and spirit coincidentally. So yeah, I'm all about finding our artistic path, our way into food and eating in a deep way, in a meaningful way, in a way that I would consider spiritual, but maybe I don't always use that word with people, but it's something that has, it goes beyond grams of sugar. It goes beyond calories. It goes beyond macronutrient ratios. It goes beyond the tug of war that we constantly see out there between diets. There's something really earthy and heavenly about the eating experience that I I think that we can experience on an everyday level. And the the way that I really get people to do that is through color. And that's one of the things that it seems like you keyed into when you saw the website. Yes, that was one of the things that did catch my eye because I'm 
I love color myself. I like to paint. And when I do, it's always very colorful and great big abstract sort of things. I'm not into the details at all. But so when I saw that, I was into color. But, you know, you've just touched on a couple of things that I think that people don't necessarily think about them going together. This whole idea of what we're putting in our bodies is also about how we're connecting with our spirituality in a sense. And this whole idea of you wanting to be a nun and a journalist and a writer and being out there. And I think about my own seven-year-old self, which I'm so embarrassed to admit this, but I will tell you that what I wanted to be at the age of seven was a ballerina. Mm. In and of itself, that's not a big deal, but listen to the catch I put on it. I wanted to be a self-taught ballerina. Oh my God, who thinks up something like that? Wow, you remember that. That is so beautiful. A self-taught, like you're not going to abide by anybody's particular, you want to dance on your own terms, which is, I like that. Well, exactly. And I think that that reflects my own family culture where doing things like that, you didn't go to school to become a ballerina because, you know, that's sort of a waste of time. My parents were not cultural appreciators, so to speak. But they had a lot of ideas about how things should be done. And so I think for me, that just meant like this, this, I could be an artist and I could be out there and I could be doing my own thing. And well, as we know, very few ballerinas are self-taught. <laughs> well, you know, one of the ways that I like to dream is to look at things, not just literally, but also symbolically. And one of my teachers is uh, Carolyn Mace. Carolyn Mace has written a number of books and she's a medical intuitive and just an amazing person. And so one of the things that she said is that when we look at the symbolic, we go into the realm of the soul. Mm. And so we look at, you know, what is a ballerina? At the literal sense, I'm imagining the shoes of a ballerina. I'm, ima- I'm seeing somebody on tiptoe. I'm seeing pink. I'm seeing satin. I'm seeing a very delicate image. But then there's something beyond that that is more symbolic. It is finesse, it's grace, it's ease, it's flowing, it's fluid, it's creative. And so that's exactly what I attempt to do to help people with food and eating and their relationship with that is to look beyond the plate and to use that plate as a portal into the symbolism. So mm. where is that plate taking you? What, what does having meat and potatoes on your plate every night say about your life? And how can we take that deeper? Are you in a rut? Are you in a routine? Are you fulfilling the status quo when you really want to break out of that mold? And so there's always, you know, in in fact, just even saying literal and symbolic, those are just two dimensions. There are many different ways to view our lives and the the true meaning of, of what that stands for. That's so true. That's so true. And, you know, I'm living in France now and they, they have a religious attachment to their food. Mm, it is a, it's a foodie heaven and food is meant to be shared. It's always a social gathering. You'll never find a French person cramming down a sandwich sitting at their desk at lunch. It's, it's just not part of the culture. And so learning to appreciate more of what they're bringing to the table, so to speak, has really opened up my eyes. Yeah, I I can see that. I also lived in Europe, although I lived in Northern Europe in the Netherlands, where there was just a little bit of a different feel than France. um, When you speak of how eating is revered in France, uh, it makes me think of the Mediterranean diet 
And the Mediterranean diet is the most well-studied diet on the planet. It's not vegan. It's not keto. It's not paleo. It's, It's the Mediterranean diet, thousands and thousands of scientific publications. And what's really interesting to me is that so many researchers have tried to whittle down an eating pattern without really looking at the context in which these foods are eaten. And sure, it it makes sense that there are a lot of goodies within the Mediterranean diet, lots of fresh foods, lots of fruits and vegetables and spices and herbs. But one of the things that remains unexplored or really untapped is how they eat in the Mediterranean, how Mm. they connect to community, how they connect with their food. You know, I was in Italy a couple of years ago. I was in Parma. Parma is the home of Parmesan cheese. And here I was expecting when I went there that, oh goodness, I'm going to find the Mediterranean diet. And, and I had traveled to Europe and I know that everybody eats so differently. So even though the Mediterranean is 16 countries, they're all very different. Right. But when I went to Parma, I, I noticed that people were eating bread, cheese, and um, meat. And that was, I wasn't finding the vegetables, but yet there was a spirit in which the foods were eaten and there was an awareness. And so, yeah, I I do think that, so I live in the United States. I live in the Pacific Northwest, which is actually, I would say a pretty conscious part uh, when it comes to food in the U S you know, in Seattle, we like our berries and kale and there are even people here that wear t-shirts that say, I love kale. I mean, I'm not (laughs) really into their food, but from a different standpoint, not from the French standpoint of really connecting into the cultural aspects of it, but more from here. It's probably environmental, it's health consciousness. There's a little bit of a different vibe, but whatever gets us there to have something deeper with our our relationship with food and our bodies, our bodies too. And our bodies are always speaking our dreams. You know, I really like that you focus on, you know, how do we arrive? How do we really get to be where we want to be. And for many years, I was not where I wanted to be. I was in corporate culture. I didn't like the the climbing of the ladder, but I did it anyway, because that's just part of what you're supposed to do. Right. You know, there were a lot of status quo things, and it, it was hauntingly familiar to my upbringing of rules, guidelines, regulations, and then when I decided to take the risk and step out on my own and to have my own business, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, especially for somebody that's grown up in such a rooted anchoring household where my father would stress how important it was to have a base and security and, you know, all these root chakra elements, you know, for me to go into this flowing aspect of creation, it felt very scary. Oh, <laughs> Sometimes our dream, you know, we just, don't know what's what's going to happen, but um, isn't that a isn't that a good thing? Sometimes that we don't know. It is, but it makes for a bit of feeling like, am I doing the right thing? Um, you start questioning, you start doubting yourself, or at least I did. You know, probably some people, some entrepreneurs have great confidence, and they're going to do it no matter what. And for me, it was shaky. I was concerned about my finances. I was concerned about, you know, am I going to be um, Uh, I don't know, how am I going to understand everything about a business when I'm a scientist? You know, I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm not a savvy business person (laughs) who understands all these things. And there were a lot of things I didn't know. I'm in year five of my business and I'm still learning. I'm still learning with great 
humility here because, but, but, but to me, what you have to think of, in fact, I, I had this revelation this past weekend and I feel like life is like a spiral. So you have the same revelation over and over again, but sometimes it just hits you differently. And I was thinking about how, you know, we all have a certain amount of energy and it's kind of like, well, where do you want to put it? Do you really want to put it in things that just zap your 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 time, your resources, and you don't get anything back? At least I know that with my business, even though I may not be a multimillionaire, I may not be, have, you know, everything streamlined and buttoned up to the point that I can get some time away. Okay. <laughs> Freedom. I, I love the idea that I can create. And for me in my life right now, that is the most essential factor. So I think everybody just has to figure out what is most important. You know, is was, it, yeah. Was there a moment where you, you knew in your heart that you were going to have to leave that environment, the corporate environment? Yeah. Um, well, a couple of things happened. I mean, first of all, in the corporate environment, there was new leadership. And so that made it easier to leave because it just felt like, okay, the old guard is no longer the guard. And now we have a new guard and things are changing. The philosophy is changing and it didn't feel true. It didn't feel right. It didn't feel like it was me, but, but it was good for the company. There, there's no doubt. Um, and it just felt like it was the natural movement for me to shift out and fortunately, I had a great mentor that helped me to do that. And so it, it almost seemed like there were junctions. And even though I wouldn't say I'm Catholic anymore, I do have a, a sense of spirituality in the sense of whether it's prayer, meditation, intention. And so the moment that I am set on wanting to do something and putting it out there, things manifest. We just have to be paying attention. And so I had all kinds of people around me to help me to make it happen. And I so, love that. Yeah. And there's something for a lot of, a lot of people, especially some of you listening about this idea of being open to possibility and being ready to say yes. So mm -hmm. you sort of set your intention, you sort of which means essentially you were attracting this to you. Exactly. And, and here's the word I get intuitively as you say that. The word I get is conviction. Mm. If we don't have conviction or we don't have confidence in our idea, then the image I get mentally is that we, we kind of were straddling. It's like we're, we're on this fence and we have one leg on one side, one leg on the other. And as a result, we can't really move forward because that's a very kind of a wobbly state, right? And so the moment I said, okay, I want to do this. Um, and there, there are no doubts. I, I really want to move forward with it. I'm going to find people to help me with it. I'm going to try it out. And I gave myself a time frame, and I said, you know what, if I can't give it a go and have it be successful and nourishing to me, then I'll, I'll just go back. Cause I could, you know, I could, I could find my way back into any number of different scenarios However, it, it did happen and it was very freeing. And, and what I did in, in that interim, because I like diversity, because I like creativity, is I began to cobble together many different things that were nourishing. So it was like a patchwork. You know, I'm just a patchwork person where I need lots of different things to fuel my interests. 
And so I was able to be expansive enough. I had the space now where I wasn't working a 50 to 60 hour work week where I could explore different things and really start to build relationships with people. So you have to have a vision. You know, when you talk about dreams, to me, this is, uh, I have seven systems of health that I work with people on. And the, the sixth system is that that I call insight. And the insight connects to your intuition. It connects to visualization. It connects to your sense of dreams. And many times our dreams, our life dreams are apparent in our nighttime dreams. However, it can also, our dreams can be obvious through images. And so one of the things that I used to do years ago before I had a, a concrete vision was in a business was I set forth a vision board. Ah, love <laughs> we it. We don't see it. How do we know what we're aiming towards? So I had to write down intentional words. I needed to find images. And, and often the right brain is what is working on us creatively to make things happen. Some of us think, oh, that's just a waste of time to be artistic and to spend some an afternoon on magazine clippings and words and to create an intentional board. However, it's not. And sometimes with the, the doing and the list building, we are distracted from the overarching image. Yeah, that idea of what is it that I want? Yes. Yes. And to, to connect to the feeling, I mean, you'll appreciate that being a psychologist. You know, somebody had given me guidance many years ago that one of the best ways to manifest is not just to have the vision, but to also feel the vision. What does it feel like when you've arrived at that vision? How do you know? How do you know you've actually made it to your dream? And it's right. to follow. And, you know, I love, I love doing vision boards myself because I have learned that, you know, just your subconscious doesn't have a sense of time. It doesn't know present, past, future. So when you're working on a vision board, your subconscious is going, oh, we have this beautiful life. We have conviction. We have passion. We have wealth. Whatever it is that your vision is, is that you are working on creating. And so we just move ourselves along that much further. It may be incremental, but it's all part and parcel of this forward movement that we're all striving for at some level. We are. We absolutely are. And so having that subconscious to inform us can complement very nicely with our left brain, which can make it happen. It can really make it happen in the physical But I do think it's important to, you know, carve out some time to write things out. It doesn't have to be in a super structured way, but we have to write something somewhere so we remember. You know, I was just having dinner with my friend, uh, Scott, and I had seen Scott as a practitioner, I think back in 2004, and I had worked with him on some spiritual growth issues, and he's leaving his practice now, and he's going into a monastery, but he contacted me, and he said, Deanna, would you like your chart? And I said, no, not really, you know, um, and he said, well, I just want to let you know, I was looking through your, your files and remembering all of our conversations. And I look at your life now and everything that we were talking about, then you have realized in your life, he said, you went off and you created your own business. You're talking about food and energy and color. And it, isn't that amazing that, and, and I had forgotten, I had forgotten. I so. <laughs> I've got chill bumps listening to you say that. I mean, wow, how impressive is that? But also how telling that when we set intentions, when we are of a conviction, 
we can do it. There's almost nothing we can do if we really just leave ourselves this room and this opportunity to say yes to moving forward. Yes. Yeah, you said that really well. And, and so sometimes we have to just take small steps. I, I often talk about the, the snail and the grasshopper approach. Sometimes life feels really slow. But in those slow movement, movements, we are creating a foundation. And I felt sometimes that my life, like I was wading through this mud, like, oh, it's just taking forever to get my own business, to get up and running, to build my list, to really create programs. You know, it just felt like it was taking longer than I was envisioning. However, mm -hmm. every step of the way, it was creating a foundation. It was creating the sense of being solid. It was teaching me something. And then I would have a grasshopper moment where it was like all of a sudden I would shift and, and start to move faster with certain things because I had done them before or would have certain conversations with people and that would fuel me. And uh, so I've continued to recreate and re-sculpt what I have to offer in the world whether it was, you know, something I talked about in a book years before and then started to take that concept out years later in a different way. And it's amazing how people's consciousness changes. You know, case in point, one of my first books was called Chakra Foods. So chakras is a, um, this is a concept from ancient healing practices that refers essentially to the endocrine system in the body. But it has kind of this mystical tradition connected to it. So my first book which was released, I think it was 2009, was called Chakra Foods. And I was sensing at the time with the publisher, I said, you know what, I just don't know if we want to call it this. It seems kind of narrow. I, and even one of my mentors said to me, he says, Deanna, this is probably just ahead of its time. And the book didn't sell very well. But then I continued to talk about the concepts in the book without the premise of calling anything a chakra. And I just kept it to color. And I just started talking about colors and systems and what each of these seven systems mean. And I got just tremendous receptivity, just light years ahead of what I had with that first book because I was opening it up. And so sometimes there's great learning. Sometimes there is, you know, maybe it's a communication thing. Maybe it's knowing certain people and having certain conversations changing one life even and, and working with people that has really propelled uh, just a number of different things in my life too. So yeah, I, conviction. So conviction. It's, mm -hmm. Conviction. God, that's a, such a powerful word. So let me ask you this. What would you say has been one of your, your big aha moments in life? Uh, as it relates to dreaming or just in general? Oh, just in general. Let's just open it up. <laughs> oh, wow. How do I choose? Um, okay, let's see. You know, if I think back on my life, and one, uh, one great activity that I like to encourage people to do is to create their own timeline. So you have a line or you can make a circle, whatever you prefer. A line is usually easier for people to think chronologically. And if you were to place the 10 top events in your life, where would they go and what would they be? And you, you keep it just to 10. And I feel that there have been points in my life that I will always remember these moments. They're crystalline. They're part of my 10. 
And those were turning points in my life. I didn't know it at the time, but right. it, these were huge moments. And I almost look back like, wow, that was divinely inspired. I mean, I could, there's no way I could have arranged for that synchronicity. I, I couldn't, not in my left brain way could I have ever mapped that out like it occurred. <laughs> <laughs> um, so aha moments. You know, I, I think for me, the, the aha moment that connects into the work that I do currently and informs everything is how I arrived at using color. When I was living in the Netherlands, when I was doing my PhD, it was a bit of a lonely time for me. It was one where I was doing, I was in the lab on the weekends. I was trying to finish my PhD in the four years and I didn't speak Dutch all that well. I could make my way through it, but I just, there, there was this point of just social isolation, but I knew I wanted to get to the, the degree, so I couldn't leave. I, I thought about leaving, but I, I ended up staying. And so as part of my process, what I decided to do was, um, and this was not a rational thing, but I started painting. And as I started to paint, much like you, I, I was not into the detail. I was into the color. I was into expressing on this huge piece. And for me, nothing could be small. I got this huge roll of paper. I bought <laughs> brightest acrylic paints. I didn't want any pastels, no pastels for me. I wanted bright. I wanted in your face, vivid. And I wasn't painting for anybody. I was just painting on my own. And one of my aha moments was as I embarked on this journey of painting, it opened up something for me. And I began seeing people as colors. It was wow. just how connected I was to color. So, you know, I'll be talking with somebody and I see them as a color. For some people, I was so inspired by them that I would paint them. In fact, one of those people I just happened to see this past weekend and I had not seen him for years. And he says, Deanna, I still have <laughs> made for me. The it was blue. It was a blue painting. And I Although when I saw him this time, I said, you know what? You're not blue anymore. <laughs> You're a different color to me. And, and he said, well, I hope I'm, I'm more green. So anyway, I think for me, the aha is tapping into something that juices you. And for me, it happened to be opening my, my portal of awareness through color and letting that color make its way through all of my life. That's wonderful. That's, that's very inspirational, this idea that we can take something that we feel so strongly about and just let it become part of the fabric of our life. It just gets woven in there. It does. It does. It's, it's almost like its own energy, right? And even the colors, I've, I've experimented with each of the colors to get to know them better. And I was told um, by somebody else that there was an Italian man. He, he's not a, uh, a nutritionist or anything, but he spent seven years studying the color violet and having a relationship with this color. And so I started getting into colors and my relationship with them. Like I did a whole painting thing on red to get to know red because I had this kind of fear around red uh -huh. and sure where it was coming from. And so, yeah, you know, I just, I, I, I'm opening up to colors much more in the way of not just seeing them in a paint bottle but seeing them everywhere. And, and I would say for everybody in their own process of active dreaming to find something that opens you up to get you flowing. I do think that that flowing 
liberates the vital force within us that is creative. And we want more of that creative energy because all of us are truly artists. I love that. This has been so great talking to you. And I wish we could just continue talking, but unfortunately we can't. But if people want to find out more about your work and what you do, where can they find you? Best place is to just go to my, I've got three websites, but one of them is the the mother. <laughs> and so that website is deannaminick.com. So it's my name and it's spelled D-E-A-N-N-A-M-I-N-I-C-H. So on that site, you can find my Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. So, Oh, super. And you have a podcast as well, right? I do. And I'll be interviewing you too. So Woo! I'm curious to talk with you about dreams and lots of different things and, and color too. So yeah. So thank you for having me on the podcast. It's, it's really been a delight and it, it's nice to be asked about your dreams. And I would um, encourage all of us listening to, to really be asking ourselves about our dreams and, and also others. I think as we allow for um, an exploration within our own lives, if we listen to other people, we may get some insight into our own too. Absolutely. And thank you, Deanna. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. You bet. Thank you for the asking. We have been talking with Dr. Deanna Minnick, author, scientist, speaker, teacher, artist, and all-around interesting person. You know, whenever I go out to the market, and you know I love my market now, whenever I go out and I see all of these colors, the way that Everything just pops. It just makes me feel so grateful. I hope you have something to be grateful for in your life today. This is Dr. Dreamer. We'll talk soon.